Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I got a message from somebody who was telling me their husband was trying to read the chapter, the reading reminder chapter to the whole family over Christmas this week, and they were laughing their heads off as he was trying to, to say the names in the chapter. It sounded like a pretty funny scene, so I'm glad they had fun with it. I hope you got to read it too, because it's a beautiful story in the Old Testament that a lot of people don't know. I referenced this story really briefly when we were talking about mercy in our Be a Good Human campaign. Do you remember that? Micah 6.8. Mercy has said the faithful mercy of God his loving kindness. Um, Most of us know King David, don't we? Great King David. Boys and girls, you remember David was the youngest brother. He was out in the field when Samuel came to anoint him as king. They had to wait for him to come back and they anointed him as the true and rightful king. But King Saul was still on the throne. David was sent to take Cheese, I think, was part of the care package to his brothers when they were on the battlefield. And while he was there, he saw the giant. You remember the giant's name? Goliath. And he went down there with a sling and five smooth stones, and he took out Goliath. And then he played his harp, and he played music for King Saul to help soothe King Saul's anxious spirit. And then he led a band of mighty men... And eventually, he became the true and rightful God's first choice king for Israel. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 9, David has been king a long time. His throne is established. His kingdom is established. And one day, he asks himself a question. 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1. Just read the first half. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul? Now, why would David ask a question like that? Anybody have any ideas? Why would the new king ask if the old king had any family left? Any thoughts, adults? You see, back in the day, to preserve your throne, you would destroy the entire family of the previous king. So to make sure there were no heirs to the throne. Is that why King David is asking this question? No. The rest of the verse says so. That I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Jonathan is King Saul's son. He is the rightful heir to the throne. He's the prince. And David and Jonathan had this really tight friendship. They loved one another. And in 1 Samuel, the previous book, David makes a promise to Jonathan and Jonathan makes the same promise to David that they would be kind and loving and compassionate to their family members from this point on. Any of their descendants, they would show this loving kindness and mercy towards. 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 2. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled 
in his feet. Ziba is talking about Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. Can you say that with me? Mephibosheth. I'm probably going to pronounce that wrong. I probably spelled it wrong a lot of times in my sermon notes. But that's his name, Mephibosheth. Do you know what it means? It means shame. When Mephibosheth was five years old, the nurse that was taking care of him received the news that his grampy King Saul and his father, Prince Jonathan, had been slain in battle. And the nurse, wanting to protect Mephibosheth, picked up the five-year-old boy and began to flee, began to run away. But as she was running away, she tripped, she dropped the boy, and he became crippled in both of his feet. Now Ziba is telling King David, there is still a family member remaining from the house of Saul, but he's crippled. He's almost implying like, King David, do you really want somebody like that to associate with, to show loving kindness to? He really doesn't have much to offer. He doesn't have a lot of political prowess. This isn't really a good strategic move. He doesn't have a lot of gifting he can offer the king. Is this really who you want to show kindness to? And King David doesn't hesitate. Verse 4, the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he's in the house of Mekur, the son of Amuel, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Mekur, the son of Amuel, at Lodabar. I have no idea if that's how you pronounce those names, but I learned if you just say it with confidence quickly, we can just move through it. Verse 6, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. Mephibosheth, whose name means shame, who's crippled in both his feet, is in Lodabar at the house of Mekur. Now, we don't know anything about Mekur, but Lodabar means no pasture land, no farmland, which basically means an uninhabitable place, which is a great place to hide, isn't it? If there's nobody there, no farmland, no animals, no vegetation, no communities, that's a great place to hide. Mephibosheth is hiding from King David because he knows how the tradition works. When the old king is gone and the new king comes into the power, the new king takes care of the old king's family and any heir to the throne. So Mephibosheth has been hiding and he hears the dreaded knock on the door that he's been waiting for all these years. Mephibosheth, the king has requested your presence at the palace in Jerusalem. And Mephibosheth thinks, great, this is it. I'm done for. King David found me. He knows about me. He knows where I am. Now I just have to go to Jerusalem and face my fate. And when he sees King David and King David calls him by name, which is incredible, he falls on his face and pays homage to King David. He's probably about to beg for his life because he knows, or he thinks he knows, what's about to happen. Verse 7, David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. You shall eat at my table always. 
Isn't that beautiful? David reassures Mephibosheth that there is a place at his table and in his home for him. Not based on his own merit, but based on the merit of another, David's friend Jonathan, Mephibosheth's late father. Do you see that? Don't miss that. Mephibosheth didn't earn his place at the table. He had nothing to offer the king. No gifts, no political power, no incredible wisdom and insight and counsel that he could offer the king. But he was given a seat at the table based on the merit of another. There's a beautiful picture there that we need to unfold. Verse 8, Mephibosheth paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? That term dead dog, that means lowest of low. Nobody cares, nobody pays attention. Mephibosheth is basically asking the question we're all asking, why? Why would you accept me at your table? I have nothing to offer. And David says, well, it's not because of you. It's because of my loving friendship and the promise that I made to your father. That's why you get to have a seat at the table. And that is grace. Let's finish the chapter here. Verse 9, the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul, all his house, I have given to your master's grandson, Mephibosheth. And you and your sons, your servants, shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce, that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. He says it again and again. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. So in saying all this, with a simple signing of the paper, Mephibosheth becomes one of the wealthiest men in all of Israel. Servants, land, influence, sitting at the king's table. Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. I like how they tagged that on the end there. Just in case you forgot where the story started, let's remind you at the end of the story. You see, Mephibosheth's story is just a part of a much greater story that includes you and I. Mephibosheth was not just empty-handed. He, he was red-handed before the king. It wasn't that he didn't have anything to offer the king. It wasn't that he was simply weak. He was an enemy of the king. I don't need to remind you that before we received God's grace, we were enemies of God. Colossians chapter 1, we were enemies. At one point, we were enemies of God, alienated from him. We not only had nothing to offer him, but we were guilty before him. Like Mephibosheth ran and hid in Lodabar, we try and hide our sin, don't we? 
just like Adam and Eve, just like Jonah ran and fled, just like the prodigal son took the inheritance and left and spent it all in some foreign country, we try and run, we try and hide our sin, we try and take care of it in our own means. But the king always comes searching. And just as the king's messenger found Mephibosheth in Lodabar, so God sent his son, who left the 99 righteous ones to carry back the one that was lost. And God came for you and for me. And just as Mephibosheth stood before the king and bowed down before him, expecting and anticipating judgment and death, he received grace. Just as God grants you and I grace, even in our sin. And like Mephibosheth received grace because of the merit, the sacrifice, the love, the relationship of another, so we receive grace because of the loving sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the relationship we get to have with the Father because of him. And God the Father, just like King David invited Mephibosheth to sit at his table, God the Father invites us to sit at his table. Not just as a guest, not just as a charity case, not just as a political marketing strategy to show that the king cared for the least of these, but you and I get to sit at the table of the king of the universe, not just as a guest, but as his sons and daughters, as part of his family. Because the love he has for his son and the love he has for us. So I, I would leave you with this. We're going to close here. We're coming to the end of a year. Next time we see each other, it's going to be next year. What if we chose to start the year with the same kindness that God has shown us? What, what if we chose to keep an eye out for people who do feel left out? Who don't feel worthy? Who feel as though they need to hide who feel like they don't have anything to offer, maybe crippled in both feet. What if we kept an eye out not just for those who are on the outskirts and the margins, but also for our enemies? And we chose to show kindness towards them, grace towards them, God's loving mercy. Not because they deserve it, but because it was shown to us and we get to love because God first loved us. What if we showed that same kind of kindness? I'm going to close our service in prayer and then we'll have some time to mix and mingle. Grab the little backpack, pajama and bathrobe pieces there and sign up on the prayer wall for the Honduras team and wish each other Happy New Year. Can we do that? All right, let's close in prayer today. God, I want to thank you so much for my church family here. Thank you for... Uh, the year that you've carried us through, Father. It would be quite an activity to sit down and go through all of the events of this year and how your loving mercy carried us through it all. And that's the reason we get to be here to celebrate because you are worthy, God. Thank you for the story of Joshua the little lamb, for the story of Mephibosheth, for David's kindness because of his relationship with Jonathan. God, thank you for the ultimate story that it points us to, that you loved us so much that you gave your son, that when we were weak, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, when we were hiding, 
You came and searched us out. You carried us back on your shoulders. And because of grace, because of your son's sacrifice in our place, we get a seat at the table and we get to call ourselves the sons and daughters of God. God, thank you for this beautiful story, the good news. God, thank you so much for this time together as a family. We want to praise you for these opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen.